0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Acquisitions Anonymous. This is Bill D'Alessandro, one of your hosts, and this episode I am joined by Mills, and I love it when it's just me and Mills because uh, we really get into it, and I love how smart Mills is on kind of industrial construction type businesses. Uh, This time we do a disaster remediation business with 50% EBITDA margins, totally virtual operations in 10 cities, and $2.2 million of EBITDA. Uh, and uh newsflash, we actually like this one. Um, so it's a pretty cool deal. Uh, I want to say thank you to our sponsors. If you are enjoying our podcast, uh, and you know somebody who would benefit from reaching uh, almost a hundred thousand uh small business interested owners, buyers, and service providers every month, uh, please drop us a note. We would love to have them sponsor the pod. Um so with that, let's get into this week's episode of Acquisitions Anonymous.
1: Today's sponsor is Aquira, your acquisition in a box service. Acquire exists to help you find, evaluate, and close on a small business, all in under a year. Their team has bought and operated over 30 businesses across three different portfolios, so they practice what they preach. With Acquire, you can choose to go through their accelerator, set up your investment thesis, and finance creative business by yourself, or Acquire can do it for you. Their search team scours the continental U.S. for a business matching your thesis and gets it under LOI. Their unique business model combines an accelerator and an investment fund. They can take on minority interest in the business, making them something like a search fund. Only you maintain majority control. Once you've signed an LOI, their M&A advisors provide individualized support through the entire diligence and closing process. They'll provide guidance toward your offer structure, in-depth financial and operational due diligence, and securing funding for your deal. They will fly out to the business with you. And once you acquire a business, they can help you grow it as well. Acquira's ace framework will help you transition that business from owner operated to management led increasing profits and allowing you to step away from the daily operations and enjoy doing more of what you love and if more of what you love is buying and growing more businesses they can help you build a portfolio businesses and eventually get liquidity from that portfolio by selling it to a financial buyer or selling it to its employees space is limited each month so if you're looking to acquire cash flowing business this year sign up now at acquira.com slash pod hyphen lander and again, that's aquira.com slash pod hyphen lander. Ah,
0: Mills, welcome to another episode of Unsupervised Acquisitions Anonymous without <laughs> Michael
2: Girdley. <laughs> What's up, Bill? How are you? I'm great, man. This is fun. I feel like I hadn't seen you in a while. I know. I know. We went on a camping trip together and then we've been complete strangers.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. We need to <laughs> We need to do another camping trip. We should do, I brought this up to Girdley on the last episode because I was talking about uh, another guy that was on the trip and he goes, yeah, I got invited on that trip. And I thought the idea of se- sleeping outside, you know, was completely off the table and ridiculous. Uh, so I think our mission should be like an acquisition anonymous. When Ty gets started, uh, our new producer uh, and head of uh, media, we should make the four of us go on a camping trip and we should
2: outvote Gurdly. We should go on that one that we went to. Cause we had like 30 bear encounters in like a 36 hour period. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was wild that was an awesome trip take a boat
0: in to like no cell service yeah. bears and trout fishing it was great i didn't catch any fish but it was still fun me either but i saw someone catch a fish <laughs> <laughs> and i drank some beers so it was yes. pretty good uh, and i slept in a hammock uh all right we have a cool deal today um so will you uh will you take us into it mills you're gonna yeah. be our narrator i uh,
2: let me uh, share you it you can pull it up to. yeah so this is on biz by cell uh future aspirational sponsor of the podcast, maybe if they ever get the memo, but this is a high margin insurance disaster restoration mitigation company. That's a mouthful. But if you've looked for businesses for sale for any period of time, you've almost certainly come across something like this. The big franchise names are like first response and serve pro and all these different ones. But this one is, um, it's listed as $2.2 million in cash flow. $4.1 million in gross revenue, and it's been around since 2016. And it says this is a recession-proof, remote office setup, low overhead. Since 2016, fully remote, no office, no overhead business that completes 30 to 50 disaster restoration projects per month across 10 large cities. They sign contracts directly with building owners when they are in need of emergency help for water, fire, biohazard spills, and other situations. They do mitigation work only, no repair work, which that's important. We'll talk about that. They use a diverse network of subcontractors. Billing is done direct to the building owners, insurance company, upon completion of the work. We'll talk more about this process. But the property uh, claims industry is $255 billion a year, and it's recession-proof as incidents happen every day, whether the economy is up or down. Profit margins are approximately fifty six to sixty seven percent, which I just got to say is not average. That's above average, and that's a little bit of a risk. not average. <laughs> uh, this industry will always be growing as infrastructure gets older and populations increase. They have seven employees, and that's all the information we have. It looks like it's it's kind of like a, a very clandestine listing. Like there's no business broker disclosed. You just have to kind of put yourself out there and try and get some more information, which may mean it's the, you know, the owner, the seller themselves trying to list it. But um, there's a, a wonderful picture for those of you on YouTube of a guy with a bunch of um, air mover fans and dehumidifiers in what looks like, you know, a, a school or, you know, a big office building or something like that.
0: Bill, what yeah, do you think? So I think the Martins are bananas. I mean, this this thing has four point one million in sales, two point two in EBITDA. And it says it's fully remote, no office, and they do 30 to 50 projects a month, so more than one a day, across 10 large cities. So, And they use a whole bunch of subcontractors. Sub- so Mills, am I reading this right that I think this is basically a lead gen business?
2: Yeah, yeah, because the this is not a super capital-intensive business. These are really cool. So the scenario, right, is you own a building. And a pipe burst in, you know, in the second floor and all of a sudden all this water gets into the building, into the sheetrock and into the carpet and they have to pull up the carpet. They have to cut back the sheetrock and they have to dry everything out with these air mover fans and with dehumidifiers. And it usually is usually is covered by insurance. The problem is, is that, you know, when these things happen, you have to have like a storage unit or a trailer somewhere full of dehumidifiers and fans because you have to mobilize really, really quickly, put all these things in place. And then, you know, basically you get this pre-negotiated daily rate with the insurance company per dehumidifier per fan that costs money, right, to have a trailer full of these things. And what this what this business owner has done is they've, in essence, pawned off the capital intensity to their subcontractors, which makes me a little bit suspicious of how high their margins are. You know, they say they don't have any inventory, um, so they really are relying on their subcontractors to mobilize and do this. Um, so, yeah, they, they the power that they have in the value chain is that their phone rings enough that they can get thirty to fifty projects a month in ten different cities.
0: But what's so weird, Mills, that I can't figure out is how they have the pricing power to do this. So if you look at this, they got 50% EBITDA margins, and they're using all subcontractors. So what in layman's terms this means is if the subcontractor charges $100 for the job, they bill the
2: job out at $200. Almost exactly, right? Yeah, because they're saying there's low to no overhead. Now, in, in this segment, it's usually a crisis, right? It's a disaster. It's like, There's a snake in my kitchen and my wife is freaking out. I'm not going to make five phone calls. Like, I don't care. I want the pest control guy who's on his way right now to get this thing. It's kind of like that. But you got to imagine the insurance company knows what the market is. Their insurance companies are ridiculously smart when it comes to the pricing power that they have and exacting, you know, some leverage. over. So if the going rate is, you know, $125, right, in the, in your scenario, you can't just always charge arbitrarily 200 bucks because the insurance company is not going to, they're not going to just foot the exorbitantly high bill in perpetuity.
0: Well, yeah, so that's my question. If the insurance company kind of has a pre-negotiated rate, how are these guys, they must be essentially charging double, right? Because I imagine if the the person with the flooded basement or flooded school booked it straight with the subcontractor, the subcontractor would charge roughly the same price. So they're double the market rate. How? And their insurance only reimburses at the market rate, right? So
2: Yeah. The thing with the subcontractors, though, is that they usually, especially with the insurance company work, the subcontractors are, I I would say, less sophisticated, but that sounds like a little bit condescending. They want to get paid right away. So this guy usually probably has to float them, right? He is paying the subcontractor, and then he's waiting 45 days or 60 days or whatever it may be to get paid by the insurance company. So Mm -hmm. that may be part of why he is actually able to command this is because the subcontractors are like, yeah, theoretically, we could go do this direct, but our phone doesn't ring, so to speak. And we don't have a website and we don't have a brand and the insurance companies don't call us. The guy who's the middleman calls us and he pays us, you know, he pays us daily or weekly or per job because these things, they don't usually have to be there. I mean, Sometimes you're in there shop backing water, you know, with a with a wet dry back to get the standing water out or pumping it with a sump pump if it's that bad. But then once the water's out, you got to run these things for maybe a week tops, but they're not they're not in there for a month. Um, And so it may just be that the subs are wanting to get paid so quickly. And that's why they, you know, kind of sit where they do in the value chain.
0: So is it that these do you think these subs are always
2: subs or do you think that they book work direct most of the time and occasionally sub? It's really hard to say I mean we, we deal with this in our business some because there are there are subs that, that we can use we s- predominantly self perform um, and you would think like in, in situations like this you're like hey just do the math like you could go direct right don't act as a sub act as you know somebody who can do work you know directly for these people but there's a lot to say for the the middleman who can deal with the paperwork and kind of the bureaucracy and all the different checks and balances that are in place. And the subs just usually don't want to do that. Now, they may get their phone may ring, right? And they may get phone calls to say, hey, look, we have this little thing, can you come do it? But if, you know, the insurance company is probably not calling them, right? They may have kind of some random word of mouth that, that drums up business from them, but it wouldn't be the insurance company because to do work for some of these large, you know, institutional folks, Whether you're doing property maintenance, you know, just kind of general services. I mean, I've got a friend who owns a business. They change out locks for hotels. You can't just be a guy who does that on the side occasionally. They want to know, hey, do you do work under this hotel chain banner? Do you do certified work for this manufacturer? Once you have those kind of credentials, all the doors open for you, pardon the pun. But, you know, that is your golden ticket. You can't just be like, hey, I know how to change a lock. Why don't I go do this hotel? It's like 200 doors and you have to do it, you know, in a way that's conducive to the hotel schedule. I think it's probably similar to this. You know, if a school district calls and says they have a leak, you got to be able to mobilize with like an 18 wheeler worth of this stuff. Yeah. So is this a freaking awesome
0: business? So they specifically mentioned that they've got 10 cities, which I assume that means they've got a couple subs on call in any of those cities. Uh They've probably got a great SEO presence, you know, such that you search for flooded basement, Chicago or whatever it comes up and they guarantee that they show up the next day or whatever. Like this is all, this is a high margin. They've got, if they've got the demand, you know, you've kind of got the network of subs. I assume that you probably got a little bit of a moat here. If you're in with the insurance companies, which I would really want to understand, to make sure that you know there is something there. And it seems like you're providing value because not only are you making the sub's phone ring, there's probably a financing angle to it, which does mean you're gonna have some working capital in this business because you gotta mm-hmm. pay the sub and you gotta underwrite the insurance claim. You gotta make sure the insurance claim gets filed the right way so you do get paid and collect that and you know that's in there. Uh, but in general, is this a good business? It seems like a
2: good business. All right, two thoughts. It looks really good right now, but I'd be willing to bet that when you get into the weeds on this, there's it's not as good, right? And and you know we have friends who who do a lot more you know deal review than we do, and like the famous adage is like this is the best it's ever gonna look, you know. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> as the the deal, yeah, as the deal progresses, like it only gets worse. You don't find these like you know gold nuggets laying around everywhere. Um, so I, it does look very compelling right now. I think it will get less compelling the further into the weeds you get because you're going to find that there's some unsustainably high margin. Uh, and then, and then, you know, all the normal like due diligence stuff, there's probably some skeletons in the closet. The other kind of question that I think you brought up that's really important is who is calling them? Is it the insurance company that's calling them or is it the building owner? And I, you can make it work either way, but if it's the building owners who are calling them, then they have a fantastic SEO presence. Right, and they are they are a lead generation platform. You can also, though, in businesses like this, just happen to you know it could be some good old like business development. And this guy or gal, you know, has four or five different insurance carriers, and they're like, "You're our guy," you know, and we we take you know trips together every year, and his phone just rings because of it. It depends on who's actually calling and where where the kind of lead is coming from and the path of that lead generation. Either one can work, but if it's if it's just that this guy has a cell phone and like you know, you hope he's going to, you know, give you the phone number when you close the deal, it's you know, that that's a very different scenario than a robust, you know, customer acquisition pipeline.
0: Yeah, so which that's probably which is well, which is better?
2: Would you rather
0: have would you rather be wired with like three primary insurers or would you rather have a great
2: SEO business? I would take either, but the The deal structure would need to reflect it. So, if you just are like buddy buddy with the right people at the right carriers, then you've got to have a lot more risk mitigation on the back end because they may just like that person, and they also could change jobs and you know go work for a different carrier, and they may not have the same you know flexibility or whatnot. So, you would need a lot more kind of contingent and kind of deferred you know consideration as a part of that. Before you get to lead gen, though. There's a couple ways to be wired with the
0: carriers, right? You can be, as you described, you play golf with the right guy, or you've got a good personal relationship, which I agree with you is risky. But the other way to be wired with the carriers is to be in their database on a short list of approved providers that is very hard to get on. And that is much more valuable.
2: Yes, I agree. And I think though there's, there's layers of kind of complexity I don't think that's a moat in and of itself. I mean, some of these like we've we've gotten on certain kind of databases for job specific things. We don't do it speculatively, but like there's certain databases that it costs you like two or three thousand dollars to get on and maintain on an annual basis. We've never had like tons of work come as a result of that, which is kind of what they tout like, hey, get in here as an approved vendor. And then, you know, you won't believe like the way your phone rings, (laughs) We've had to do it for job specific reasons. And and then it's like, OK, we know that the cost is going to be worth it because we already have revenue lined up. We're not specking it. It's not a mode in and of itself, but there are certain cases like if you I think we've talked about some in the past, like if you have, you know, DOD clearance, you know, secret clearance or top secret clearance or classified clearance and you can fill in the blank, right? If you're if you're a plumbing contractor who can go into secure facilities like that's that's a ticket right? If you're, Mm -hmm. you know, an IT guy, if you're, you know, the HVAC technician, like if you're the janitor, right? Whatever it is that, you know, can get people into secure areas, that's fantastic. There's other, like, and and we've talked about some of them in past episodes, you know, if you're a plumber who can get on like your municipality's website as an, you know, as a vendor to call when you need, you know, backflow prevention testing, like those different things, being on the list can help. But I don't think this is a list that's that hard to get on, and I don't think it would be that short of a list for this type of service. Okay. So you think it is more likely a robust lead gen platform? I think it probably is. Like, There's a hint in here that made me think maybe it's just the kind of signs contracts directly with building owners. You would think, though, if they have like a really great process, they'd be talking about it. You just don't have enough information here. We don't have enough information here to know. There's one piece of information that actually makes me a
0: little skeptical that it's a robust lead gen organiz- organization, and it's the fact that their margins are so good. Yep, I was um, hoping you the, were going to go this route because you got to right, pay for lead gen, right? So, like a a robust lead gen comp, any company is worth their salt at lead gen. Let's be real, is doing paid ads, mm-hmm. right? It is likely, like even if you have good SEO and you're ranking well in Google. Like it's pretty quickly easy to go, oh, geez, like if I did some paid ads, I would incrementally, you know, I can pay $5 for a conversion and the average order value is a thousand or 10,000 mm-hmm. or whatever. Like you could very quickly spend a lot of money on paid ads and have it make accretive sense, right? Yeah. Like your margin rate would go down, but it would add dollars to your bottom line. So when you see lead gen businesses, purely gen businesses, they usually don't have 50% margins, especially when they have hard cost in them billing out to the subs, right? So you know, like there's a hard, there's a large bit of hard cost in here. I don't think the subs bill the insurance directly. Otherwise yeah. the customer, the insurance will be getting two bills from these guys and the subs. So, you know, the subs expense has to be flowing through their PL. and and that leaves like nothing for paid ads. So it would make me wonder if they're not doing any paid ads, paid pay-per-click ads, Billboard ads, yellow like whatever, like there doesn't seem to be room in this PL for any advertising. Mm-hmm. It would
2: it's just not normal for a direct response lead gen business. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. You know, on the four million in revenue, you know, four point one million in revenue and two point two million in cash flow or EBITDA. It's like, okay, the two million dollars is paying, you know, is paying for the for the subs, is paying for the actual performance of the work. I don't think there's enough in that two million to be Paying for customer acquisition and paying for um, the actual fulfillment of the work.
0: Yeah, because how much can you mark up the fulfillment? Like four times? I mean, that would be crazy,
2: right? Yeah. I don't think so. The other thing about this, I mean, I just get so inherently skeptical about something that is, you know, hey, this is remote and it's easy. That's the way it's made out to be because, hey, we just use subs and we push paper and we collect money. This is, you know, anytime you're putting somebody in somebody else's building to perform work, things will go wrong. And yes, you are kind of deferring and and delegating a certain amount of the headache and the personnel management to your sub, but you still have to manage your subs. I mean, we have more headaches. Our experience is there's more headaches with subs than there are employees. There's more (laughs) burden and overhead associated with employees, but they're easier to kind of manage and set kind of cultural precedents for how work gets done. Subs are kind of like the Wild West, like depends on the sub and whether or not they do things the way you want. But you can imagine a scenario, 10 different cities, and you're talking about, you know, more than one job per day, you know, on average, things go wrong. Subs don't show up or somebody breaks something and the owner's like, get your ass here now, you know, and and come make this right. Like, you know, I mean, crazy, crazy things happen. And so, you know, it, this is not, you know, kind of like smart passive income, you know, and, and I don't know that it's totally made out to be that way. But um, that's one of the, the, I think, difficulties with something like this is you're going to have to go when emergencies happen. And they say seven employees and maybe those are, you know, maybe those are folks who are doing some of this project management. But then again, there's not a lot of overhead to cover all that. I,
0: yeah, I mean, the margins, that's the thing. I just, I, it, does, it says they got seven employees though. So, I mean, you could see seven employees, you know, booking subs, doing pain in the butt, all that stuff. But I bet you got a couple of them, you know, billing insurance, collecting that, you know, yeah. who not may, I would actually love to learn more about this business. Like it's possible, it's possible this owner has like dialed systems mm-hmm. and has figured this out. And now, you know, let's talk about if this is good, right. They are in 10 cities. And if there are systems, like this is a 50% margin business with $2 million of EBITDA in 10 cities with seven employees, right? The obvious thing to do, like if, if this is what we think it is, the systems are very good, right? Mm-hmm. The lead gen system, the job booking system, the follow-up, the billing, the collect, like the systems are super yeah. good. If the systems are that good, the opportunity
2: to buy this business is clearly just go into the next 20 cities, mm-hmm. right? And you Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's interesting and it's intriguing I think from a few different fronts. The the skeptic in me and I know I'm the perennial skeptic is this is a fairly saturated like people know there's franchises in this space. Like it it is it's it's not like the new thing. This is buildings have always leaked. Like p- pipes always burst, you know, and remediation has to happen. It's gotten I think increasingly sophisticated and there's been more institutional ownership you know, with some of these different groups who are doing it in a franchise or kind of a multi-unit model. And so it's not a sustainable margin, but to your point, even if it's 35% margin, right. And you can kind of normalize it at that level and then go out to, you know, the, you know, the next 10 biggest cities and get your sub network. I I totally agree. So I'm
0: sharing on screen on YouTube this is to your point, Mills. This is the thing that makes me scratch my head about this business. Mm-hmm. So I just searched for Charlotte flooded basement, which is where I live. <laughs> Look at this search engine result page. The first mm-hmm. block is three ads and not just three ads, three, like Google SEO optimized with star ratings and number of years in business and store hours and all that stuff. And, and 24 seven open
2: 24 seven
0: open 24 right. seven. And the links are serve pro serve pro. And Sunshine Restoration, whoever that is. Uh, then you get down into like the real sponsored ads. You've got restorationlocal.com at your door in 60 minutes or less. Then you've got another sponsored ad, Ally Property Rescue. And then finally, okay, that's just that one the says 45
2: minute on-site response.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're one up at each other. Yeah. <laughs> 15 minutes faster. So, like, but now you get, okay, that's just the ads, which illustrates that if you're in this industry, how tempting it is to pay for ads, mm-hmm. right? Like the whole, you know, 60% of the SERP is ads. But now when you get down into the, the actual ranking results, the first one, dryprosystems.com uh, with Charlotte in the title. The next one, Basement Waterproofing Company in Charlotte NC with North Carolina in the URL and the directory structure. These are SEO'd to the tilt mm-hmm. you know, pages, right? All of these have Charlotte NC in the title, the keywords exactly right, and there are a ton of them. So- yeah you know, a million mom and pops, like, and the, the SEO game here is pretty good. So Mm -hmm. it makes me wonder, as you said, it's how are these guys getting such good margins? If they're not paying for ads, they're either SEO complete wizards or there's something else going on that we haven't thought about, Mm -hmm. which almost has to, like, we must be off track, right? (laughs) Yeah, Like maybe they do have insurance company relationships. Like there's gotta be something else here. So I'm I'm interested. I would on this one, you know, get the same and learn more.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's very intriguing. So uh, you got to think though, right? If it's two point two million dollars in cash flow, under what scenario, right? I mean, you you almost can't buy this business. There, like you, you know, I think about it in terms of you know, it's it's my famous soapbox. Like, does it pencil? You can only pay so much because, like, the cash flow has to support the debt service. So unless somebody and I think there has been some consolidation in this space, obviously, but you can't pay more than a purchase price that reflects, you know, debt service over, you know, one point seven five, maybe, you know, one point eight million dollars worth of total debt service. And so there's a ceiling at some point on the price of this thing. And anything above that is just, you know, basically predicated on growth. Hey, we're just going to grow so much that the debt service doesn't matter. Yep. I mean, I, I would think I would think this sells for what's interesting before I
0: say that, there is no asking price on the listing. And I've never really seen this on Biz by sell before. It just says NA for the broker. Mm-hmm. So it's like totally anonymously listed with no asking price. This makes me think it's listed for sale by owner.
2: Yeah. Probably yeah. on BizBuySell, Sell. Um and this which is probably the person who's like, I need to see $10 million in your bank account certified, you know, before I'm willing to like tell you any information.
0: Yeah. So that's the, I mean, this is like the tough thing and the exciting thing. Like this business, let's say it is a really good business, right? On the one hand, that's sort of what you hope you'll find. A really good business that's not represented by the broker and you might be able to get a market inefficient deal in your favor, right? On the other hand, when there is no broker, you are going to want a bullet in the head like multiple times, right? Cause this seller is going to think this business is worth $50 million Mm -hmm. or he's going to want unreasonable terms, or he's not going to be able to produce the diligence documents and accuse you of thinking that he is a shady person and don't trust him. Like, I mean, there's a, he's going to try to change the price at the last minute. He's like, there's going to be a million things here when there's no broker in the middle doing a deal without a broker is the worst. If you've ever done one, it's terrible. If you're listening, don't like deals without a broker, just strap in. It's miserable. <laughs> and everybody thinks it's the golden goose, you know? Yeah, but it can be, you know, like we bought National dog without a broker and it was a smash for us. Yeah. Right. But um, she actually it hired it a broker round. at the last minute because we insisted we we <laughs> <laughs> insisted she hire a broker and a lawyer. She was trying to do it. She was trying to do the deal with her like brother who was an attorney. Uh, and had never done a deal before. He was like an estate attorney or so he was yeah. like a, not a D an MA attorney. It was yeah. like trying. And he was completely blowing the deal. Cause we were asking for like market reps and warranties. And he was like, we will not accept a rep for fraud or like, just like basic, <laughs> you know, yeah. he's like, absolutely not. And he almost blew up the deal. And I was like, you need to hire an attorney. Here's three lawyers that I've never worked with before. Pick one and I will pay for it. Yeah. Uh, you know what ended up happening? she, hired none of the three people i it's i asked her to hire who i had vetted that were from high-class firms and would do a good job instead she hired some texas cowboy MA lawyer slash uh small business broker mm-hmm. who also nearly destroyed the deal and sent me his bill
2: at the end <laughs> <laughs> and i freaking paid it believe yeah. it or not yeah all's well that yeah. ends well but it's nothing. Nothing's easy, man. I feel like I say that every day. Nothing's easy. None of this is easy. If I mean, I think probably a lot of our listeners realize this by now. Like this
0: is I, I just love uh, our friend Brent B. Shore calls it the knife fight and it just is. I sometimes there's actual knife fight, as you've told me in several stories. Yes.
2: Yeah. You Get into roofing. It's all it's all peachy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All right, so we that's like. A it, to it. Yeah, that's I, a good place to wrap it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send this guy a message with my, you know, name and phone number and email, and just see. I'm just so curious about what the response is going to be. I wish I'd done this 48 hours ago, you know, and then I could tell you like you would not believe what I got back. <laughs> well, <laughs> man, maybe we'll do we'll do a follow up on Twitter. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, we'll wrap it there. Thanks for listening. See you guys next time.